everybody. Hey, this is Kevin, filling in for Elliot, who's over there. Yeah, so Elliot gets to play around a little bit on the drums today. So thank you, Kevin, Dana, Stephanie, Sydney. Um, good to see everybody. Good morning. Welcome. My name is Ryan. We're glad you're here. Um, uh, just a couple of announcements, a couple of things that we forgot earlier, and I'm recording here, so don't let that bother you. A um, couple of things. Middle school, get out of here. If you're in middle school, please get out. We love you, though. <laughs> but people want to hang out with you. Not us. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's horrible. Remember middle school? Oh, that was lame, wasn't it? Anyhow. Uh, so we have some great leaders who are helping them get through lame times in their lives. Um, if you're new, uh, we just want to let you know we have this thank you for visiting um, envelope here. And it's out on our, our info table. And that's really important because we really do want to thank you for visiting. And it's nothing you have to give us in return. It's just um, a coffee gift card to a really good coffee shop um, and just some information about our church. So... Hey, I wanted to give you a couple things. First of all, a big thank you uh, for those of you who are here on their fifth birthday. Uh, it was just such a cool day. And uh, many of you surprised Angela and I at the end with notes and uh, just some little gifts. And I just can't tell you how meaningful that was for us. Um, so we just wanted to thank you. Um, and if you didn't, uh, weren't a part of that, you can still give us gifts. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's all. But no, we're just <laughs> so, so really overwhelmed, thankful, thankful for that. It, the day itself was just awesome So um, to be a part of that. So a um, couple of things. Uh, uh, first of all, there's just one other thing that we need to let you know about. New Year's Day falls on a Sunday, and uh, they won't rent us this facility that day. Um, so we decided, uh, let's do something fun, and uh, we are going to have a Bronco Raider game potluck that day. And so if you, if you, Raider fans are, oh, they're, they're kind of allowed. Um, but they're not welcome, but they can come, you know. Uh, but, but no, we're going to do that. Uh, actually, we're going to go back to our roots, and we're going to do it at the church um, that we used to meet at on Sunday nights. So fellowship, coming to church. 64th and Sheridan. We'll let you know all the details, but um, potluck, food, we got games. We even got those carts that you can sit on and play crap soccer on. It's, it's going to get real. So if, if you want to play games, you can play games. If you don't, you just watch the game. That's fine. We'd love to have you. Um, and th there's a couple things I want to make sure I also get to. Um, one of the things is, we're actually, we're going to take our offering. Um, and so if, if you're new to this place, you can, um, you can kind of let that pass by you, but uh, for some of us, we're, we're trying to meet a uh, kind of a year-end goal, and the reason this goal is in place is that so we can fully fulfill all the things that we have um, we want to do as a community. So let me just tell you what's happening with that. Um, little did you know, but our church was—you're uh, about to know—our church was a part of about eight churches uh, that came together, and we found out. Did you know that there's 50 homeless high school students at Arvada High School? 50. Arvada High School is like right over there. <laughs> okay, I'm just getting my bearings right here. 
Um, and, and so what classifies as a homeless student, they, they don't have somewhere that their family travels from house to house or some of them might live in their car for a while or whatever. So Arvada, the administration found out through conversations and through talking to people, 50 homeless students. And so uh, a couple of our churches came together and we decided to provide with the help of their at food bank uh, Thanksgiving meals and $50 gift cards to Walmart for 50 families. And so you were a part of that. Uh, you are also a part of uh, a lot of work that's happening in Kenya right now at the school we sponsor. Um, there's some things that we still want to be a part of this year, including Covenant World Relief, which is a collection of our church and, and about 900 churches across the country and the world that are a part of giving towards disaster relief and mission work in many places in the world. Um, and then just this last week, I'm meeting, I've been meeting with a church planter that's going to be planting a church kind of on the edge of Arvada, Denver, uh, Hispanic Church. And um, they've been meeting for six weeks, and they already have 50 people. And so we are actually uh, a part of supporting churches like that get started. And that one's really important right now, especially with where they're located. So I just want to let you know a little bit of what this giving is going towards um, this end of the year stuff. And so um, as you're making plans, as you're figuring out finances and all that kind of stuff, if you could be a part of that, we would, we would absolutely love it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance for us to gather. And uh, we recognize that this is a, um, a new experience for some. Uh, as they look around the room, they don't know people, they don't feel comfortable, um, and yet for some of us, we're, we're part of our, this is part of our family, and so this morning we recognize that there are many different perspectives in the room. God, I just ask that you would uh, help us to walk into what you have for us today, what it means to be somebody, how are we, how are we made to be somebody. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Two weeks ago, I started, um, I was invited to, with a neighbor, I have a neighbor of mine named Cable, and he's got some friends, and kind of got a group of people together, and we, we started an indoor soccer team called Manchester United. And we, we are lower level, Arvada, Apex Center, soccer players. We're so horrible. So a couple couple Fridays ago, we played the Fluffies. It's their team name, the Fluffies. Uh, Elliot's on the team. He makes our team good. Yes. Um, and actually, I think it, it, it's just good to have like a like a moment here and just uh, and just apologize publicly to Elliot for everybody else on our team. Um, so, okay, so I grew up playing soccer. I played high school soccer. I even debated college soccer and winning scholarships, things like that. The soccer used to be my life. Used to be, uh, I knew it, I was good at it, I loved it. Uh, 23 years ago, I was good at it, and I loved it. And so I got on the field the other night my brain said, Ryan, you can do this move. My body said, that doesn't work anymore. 
it's just your timing's really off. I was on the ground a lot, and I got thrown in the penalty box for it. And uh, it was just, it was a beautiful time. The, the thing that, the, the reason why I'm reflecting on that is because what used to be my identity, what used to be something that was really important to me a number of years ago, uh, no longer is true of me anymore. Um, I mean, you get one look at me and you're like, that guy's not a soccer player. Yeah, he's not. Um, he's not really a runner either. Um, he likes food. Um, but like, seriously, the, 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 something that was true of me before isn't true of me now. And, and I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about identity. Um, and, and when I was 17, I thought, man, soccer's life. Soccer's it. And now, I, I rarely think about it unless it's 10 o'clock on a Friday night. And I'm playing against people who are really good at it. It's a funny thing when we look at the stories of Advent, and normally many of us are used to coming to church in December and reading things about wise men and shepherds and babies and mangers, and today we're not going to do any of that. But we are going to be at the beginning of gospel, the Gospel of John, because at the beginning of Gospel of John, Jesus is actually forming a community. He's beginning to pull people together. He's actually beginning to call people out of what their identities are into something bigger, into something better. And so if you have a Bible, John chapter 1, I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to go, go through it verse by verse. It goes like this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, you remember last week, we talked about that whole idea that Randy was talking about, the son of Joseph, son of Mary, and the, the Pharisees actually called him son of Mary, and how disparaging that was. But here, these guys are getting it right. Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel said. Just being honest, right? Kind of like how people treat people from Kansas or Nebraska. <laughs> so when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So this is kind of an interesting passage. And, and I, you know, when I first, I'm like, man, this doesn't seem like a real Christmassy. <laughs> but as we're kind of walking through this idea of nobody, somebody, everybody, anybody, this is, this is part of that story. And, and all through Scripture you can see it, that where Jesus actually pulls someone out of nobody's status and makes them somebody. 
There's only one somebody that can do that. And so as we dive into this, I think it's really important. There's some, a lot of really big, rich Old Testament stuff happening here that we don't even get. As we just read it normal, as we just read through it, we're like, oh, okay, a fig tree. Oh, okay, what is, what is going on here? And Well, we're going we're gonna to talk through it. John starts this idea of Jesus being, he's leading for Galilee, and he finds Philip, and he tells Philip to follow him. And then Philip and Andrew, it says Philip and Andrew and Peter are from the town of Bethsaida, which is actually an important thing to know when you contrast it with Nazareth. We'll get to that here in a second. Philip finds Nathaniel, so he has in mind to talk to his friend Nathaniel. I mean, he, he confronts, he's confronted by this guy named Jesus who says, come follow me. And, and, and somewhere in the exchange there, and somewhere in the time after that, Philip thinks to himself, I've got to talk to Nathaniel about this guy. Like, Nathaniel needs to hear about this guy. Nathaniel's been wrestling and, and thinking, and, and these are the things that Nathaniel's been thinking about. And so he finds him, and he says, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus, Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. See, Jesus is inviting people to follow him. It's just what he does. He's already talked to Peter and Andrew. Remember, they were fishermen, and they left their nets, and they left their boats, and they left their occupation, and they left their identity. Okay, They left everything that was known about them to follow this traveling rabbi. And then Philip does it. Follow me, he says. And so like any good follower, you know, Philip is pretty excited. He's, he's trying to convince people. You know, he finds Nathaniel um, in, in, in verse 45, and he, can, he says, listen, I think, I think this is the guy. I think this is the guy that you've been thinking about and, and wanting to know when he's coming. I think this is him. Now, Philip was also from Bethsaida. Philip was from this pretty, uh, pretty nice a part of the world where uh, people knew Bethsaida. People, Bethsaida was kind of like a, I don't know if I'm going to compare it right. I'm just going to leave that one alone. But it's, it's a lot nicer than, let's say, Nazareth. Let's, let's just say that in the Old Testament, Nazareth was not brought up at all, ever. You can comb their Bible Philip's Bible, Nathaniel's Bible, the Old Testament that they read from didn't mention Nazareth. And so when Philip tells Nathaniel, hey, he's from Nazareth, Nathaniel's like, bro, Messiahs don't come from Nazareth. They don't, they don't come from Nebraska. They don't, they don't do that. Philip says, come and see. Come check it out. Come investigate it. Now, last week, as Randy kind of walked through this idea of being nobody, this idea of being nobody and, and, and from nowhere, this, this is what we're seeing here. I mean, Nazareth, this skepticism that Nathaniel has is really understandable. It's this obscure little hill town. Remote. It's of no consequence at all. It wasn't sophisticated. It wasn't glamorous. It was podunk. 
It was nowhereville. It's not like some of the other towns that you hear about that have history to them. It's not like a temple was there or anybody famous. There was no famous prophet from there. There was nothing. And so Nathaniel has this honesty about him. He's just honest. He's just like, what's, what's there? And he just throws his honesty out there. He's just kind of like, you know, one of those people that just says what they feel and what they mean, you know? You never, there's people in your life like that, and you're always really thankful for them because they're just honest all the time. You know, they're not hiding anything. I mean, if you cook something that's not good, they'll let you know. You know, they're just honest. And so the charge against Jesus was that Jesus was never, wasn't from somewhere special. That was the charge. You're going to hear this charge down the road in the gospel stories that Jesus was from nowhere special. And the real Messiah cannot come from a no-place town like Nazareth and from a nobody family like Mary and Joseph. But what's interesting is that this nobody, this Jesus, this nobody from nowhere, actually becomes the kind of somebody that can make the rest of us nobody somebody. That's where the story goes. And so as we see Philip and Nathaniel come into the picture with Jesus, Jesus, when he sees Nathaniel approaching, verse 47, he said of him, he hasn't even talked to him yet, he sees him coming, he says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus already knows him. He can, always, he can already read him. He can already see into his heart. And he can tell that this is a guy who has no deceit in him. He doesn't have any secrets. He doesn't have any hiddenness. He doesn't have any false front. He, he is who he is. And then in verse 48, it goes like this. How do you know me, Nathaniel? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under a fig tree, the, the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus, I mean, who, how does this magic trick work, right? I mean, there's just something there. Uh, Philip um, comes to find Nathaniel. He's under a fig tree. Jesus sees the whole exchange. He knows what's happening. And here's what's really cool about it. John, the writer of this gospel, loves symbolism and metaphor. If you read the Gospel of John, you will see there's, if you, if you know how to read it, you will see rich symbolism and metaphor all the way through it. The fig tree is one of them. The fig tree is a big piece of metaphor. And I'm not saying this is a metaphor, but it could be two things at once. It could be, yeah, it could be Nathaniel was under an actual fig tree, but the fig tree means something. For New Testament Jewish people, the fig tree is a symbol of Israel in the Bible. The fig tree is a symbol of Israel. That's why in Matthew, there's this story, there's this account of Jesus cursing a fig tree. And he actually equates it with the temple and saying, this is not bearing fruit. So, it's a goner. This isn't working. 
This is not what was intended. And then the second thing is that in Jewish lore, the fig tree was actually equated with the tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis. And so in, Jew, in the Jewish mind, um, if you were uh, digging through the scriptures, if you were studying the Old Testament, if you were reading the Old Testament and, and then reading some of the, uh, the rabbi work that would, it was like almost like rabbi commentary about it. If you were doing all that, you were gathering figs. If you were studying scripture, you were gathering figs. That was, that was what people said about you. And so basically, Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, I know you're a fig gatherer. I know that you are doing your homework. I know that you are in this. And, and he may have been under a fig tree. He may have been praying. He may have been yearning for Messiah to come. And, 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 and that must have been, that might have been his little, his little spot, his little place to think and dwell and study. And who knows? But he, Jesus is basically saying, I know you. You're a fig gatherer. You're thinking about Messiah. You're thinking about what's happening. Then Nathanael declared in verse 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It's just interesting like how quick he goes from Nazareth, what comes from Nazareth, to you're the king. You know, I mean, the, 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 the quickness he goes from those two extremes. The reality is, is that Advent means we come as nobodies. Like Randy talked about last week, we come as nobodies, and he makes us somebody. We walk in as nobody. We have nothing to offer. We have nothing to give. And then Jesus, knowing us fully, makes us somebody. This is the heart of the core and the core of the gospel. This is the, the basic of it. It's this surprise that grace gives meaning and eternity uh, to our meaninglessness and our temporary lives. So verse 50, as we wrap this up, says, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He added, he then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is another Old Testament reference. This is an Old Testament reference that Nathaniel would have quickly got. We don't. But Nathaniel's like, oh, you're making a pretty big claim. I mean, Nathaniel's already in. He says, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And then Jesus says, oh, you, you think that was a cool trick. And so this Old Testament reference that Nathaniel is hearing about from Jesus comes out of Genesis 28. It's the story of Jacob's ladder. And Jacob is fleeing. He has this, uh, this, he stole his brother's birthright, and he's fleeing to Syria. He's fleeing to get away. And he finds, he comes to a place, and he has a dream, and he's, he's, he's laying on a rock, which, I mean, you know, comfortable. And he's laying, he's got his head on a rock, and he has a dream. And he has this dream about a ladder from heaven. 
and that God comes down and descends um, this ladder. Um, some versions say it, it, he stands over the ladder, but it's actually a, a poorly translated. He actually comes down the ladder to, to earth, and there's this idea that, that God comes to earth at that place. He renames it Bethel. And Bethel becomes a pretty significant town, not like Nazareth, but it becomes a, a pretty, uh, you know, significant place because the place of Bethel actually becomes where people, the people of Israel show up time and time again to meet with God. It's called the house of God. In fact, in one time in, in Jewish history, in, when things were going sideways, Bethel was actually one of the places where they erected a whole bunch of um, uh, altars for uh, worshiping uh, idols. Um, it's just got a crazy history to it. So what Jesus is basically saying is, that's me. You're going to see heaven meet earth in me. You think that was cool, that I know you? You're going to see heaven meet earth just by being with me. I'm that kind of somebody. And so Jesus is the one who makes us somebody. He is the somebody who became nobody in order to turn us nobodies into somebody. That's the story. That's how it moves. And it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter where you end up. Okay? It doesn't matter what you accomplish in between. Your somebodiness doesn't come from any of that. We come from dust, we return to dust. That's how scripture tells us. There's no pedigree. that gets us anything. Our claims are all worthless. Our accomplishments are silly. I mean, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, they're silly, right? I mean, none of you knew how good of a soccer player I used to be. I can show you VHS tapes. Maybe, maybe one. Elliot's a good soccer player. But you didn't know, you didn't know any of those accomplishments. You don't, you don't know anything important about me and my past. Unlike Nathaniel, we were probably not without guile. The idea of guile, in some translations it says, he was, he was a man without guile. He was a man without deceit and dishonesty. And unlike him, I think we're, we've got some false fronts to us, most of us. I've told you my story about faith walking, and if you're new to this place, it's a, something that some of us have been involved in, and by the way, there's another retreat coming up if you'd like to be a part of that, but in faith walking, you, you're able to reflect on your life to a degree that allows you to see areas of your life that are broken, which is really important, actually, if you want to follow Jesus, in my opinion. There's a version of Christianity that says, hey, show up, shut up, give some money and leave. But that's not following Jesus. Something about our hearts being changed and deeply within us, our transformation happening deep within us. And this happened to me a couple years ago. And within my faith walking journey, I realized that I had a false vow, a vow in my life that was 
causing me to live a certain way um, that was not right. And it worked out really well as a pastor <laughs> because part of my vow was a dishonesty and uh, a twisting and a falsifying of my credentials and who I am uh, to make people like me. So this happened a lot in college. I remember coming out to college and, and pretending that, uh, not pretending, but you know how you can kind of reinvent yourself when people don't know you? And I used to tell stories of um, adventure and the things that, that, you know, maybe I embellished a little bit more than, than, um, than I needed to. Uh, I've, even, I've, even, I've even realized and, and actually come to grips with the fact that I would tell stories about other people's lives that I wasn't even a part of, and I claimed those stories as my own just to make people like me. It's pretty sickening. And the faith-walking journey got me to realize that that false part of me actually was uh, hurting people in my life. It was hurting me. And so what happened was, is when I realized that I'm living out of this false identity, I mean, it wasn't like all the time. It wasn't like I was lying about everything, but there was just things I wanted people to be impressed by. And so once I realized I was living out that way, it was just a lot of confession, a lot of, uh, a lot of sharing. I remember a, a long car ride home with Angela uh, from this retreat, and uh, I just had to be really honest with her about some of the stories I've told in my life that I claimed to be mine that weren't true. Those were hard things to do. You see, we're pretty good at putting off a persona in our lives that it isn't completely true. And when you do that, you miss out on the real identity that Jesus wants for you. See, at baptism, the beautiful moment of baptism within our faith is not just a ceremony where you go underwater and you come back out and everybody claps for you. There's something powerful happening in that moment. In that moment that you go under the water, you are dying to your old self. And as you come back up out of the water, you experience new life now. For many people, as you live your life, we forget what it means that we live baptized. Meaning if you've been baptized, you are no longer the person you used to be. Paul talks about this all the time in the New Testament. The person I want to be is not the person I, you know. He, he has this struggle between his old life and his new life. And, and he continually points the believer, me and you, into what it means to live. Okay? What it means to live this new life. This fully redeemed life. And what baptism is, is basically pledge of allegiance to a different king. That's what it is. And so we come back out of the water and we can say this, we who had a past without a future. Okay? 
now have a future despite our past. We who had a past without a future now have a future despite our past. And Jesus is the somebody who became nobody in order to turn us nobodies into somebody. That's the beauty of Advent. That's the mission. That's the rescue part of this. And our self-esteem and our self-worth and all of those things, that they don't come from the right pedigree. They don't come from where we came from. They don't come from what we accomplished. They don't come from the mistakes that we've made, the collection of things that we've done. They don't come from that. We were nobodies, and now we're somebody. And here's the thing that's really important about that. What do we have to share with the world? Okay? Those of us who are baptized and brought into this new life, what we have to share with the world is not some secret recipe for happiness. It's not some feel better about yourself stuff. It's not self-help. What we have to tell the world is that finally we can be honest. That's the beauty of it. There is such freedom in honesty. Trust me, I did the Christian thing for many years, including standing up front in front of people for many years, and I wasn't totally honest. And that's a horrible way to live. But now what you have, you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to be completely honest with this world, with my neighbors, with my friends on Manchester United. <laughs> We thought about not wearing shirts and just shaving numbers into our chest hair. Was that too much to share? Yeah. Okay. But if you were asleep, you're not anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Angie, I'm gonna pay for that one. Okay, so Paul talks about this whole idea of becoming somebody. He talks about it in terms of adoption. He talks about it in terms of citizenship. But the, the adoption piece is the beautiful one. And back in ancient times, some of you know this, but if you adopted a child into your family, if you adopted a son, under Roman law, you could not ever, ever disown that son. Adoption meant security. Adoption meant a name and a family and inheritance. You could disown your own son, your own biological son, but you could not disown your adopted one. Something beautiful about that picture when it comes to us. And we're adopted. We're given a new name. We're given an inheritance. We, we're, we're given somebody status. And if you go running around this world looking for somebodyness outside of Jesus, you will not find it. You will never find it. The Christmas song of a little town of Bethlehem. There's a there's a there's a stanza and it goes like this. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No, no ear may hear his coming. 
But in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. It's not explosions and excitement and, and, and just hype. It's not that. Nathaniel has a moment with Jesus. And Jesus reads him. And Nathaniel's forever changed. See, if we take the words of the psalm seriously, the psalm that says, God has searched us and known us and knows us, uh, that psalm, what the psalm is saying is that every last thing about you, every last thing there is to know about you, God knows. You, you are revealed to God. It's with that knowledge that Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what it means to immerse yourself in God's way. Come and see, uh, come and see what this would look like to be somebody, to be called out from nobody's status into somebody's status. Not to, not to lord it over people, but, but you are given a new life. You know the word disciple? It's an interesting word. Um, a lot of times we get it wrong. Um, the word disciple is actually a Latin word that means pupil. But there's some words that come into play in there. Um, and, and really what that word also means is to take part. To take part. So as a disciple, you're a pupil who takes part. You're a pupil who does what the teacher does. You're a pupil that, that walks, uh, as, as you follow the rabbi, you follow your teacher, you're actually a pupil that does what the teacher does. And when Jesus says, come and see, he's actually saying, come. I'm already all up in your life. I'm already all up in your business. I want to show you what it means. And so this morning, wherever you find yourself, this, this may be a season for you of real hurt and pain. Sometimes Advent, sometimes the Christmas season brings up all the stuff in our lives that is painful. And relationships and family and marriage and, you know, the end of the year and our things that we thought we would accomplish this year and we didn't come close to it or whatever it is in your life that doesn't disqualify you from being somebody doesn't keep you in nowhereville Jesus is saying come and see and come and see despite your marriage falling apart come and see despite the fact that you are cut off from family members Come and see despite the fact that you don't feel like you're worth it. Come and see. Come and see. I already know you. I know you top to bottom, inside out, backwards and forwards. I know you. 